Firstly, I'd like to thank Albert Chakuri and advance. So besides that, how he said, Ova was very proud. He said, these shurim, they mamash cause Yeshua, and they cause people from, from being sick to being better. Bo Hashem, it's not, it's not, it's the Torah, it's the getting together, it's the achdut, it's the oneness. Bo Hashem, and the Shua, have a fast month. And even when I said, Moshe, when I said, Shona, Sarabagam, Pachani, Lunish Pavel, Abba, David, Evan, Lunish Pavel, Ben, Ruth, Rita, Moa. Okay, Abotai. Abotai, Shalai, 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 because there's so much to learn, and I like to just start off with a question. And I know Oriana already asked me, Rabbi, please let me let me get bombard any question you want, and I'm going to ask you right now. And that is, what is the biggest mistake that a person can do in his life? Ah, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. Huh? <laughs> Whoa. How did you know that? How did you know that? <laughs> that is probably wow, amazing. That's exactly right. All right, you said he told him? That is really, uh, I'm really impressed at you, Eddie, but that is very impressive. You heard what he said? You heard this bit? What is the biggest mistake that you can do in your life? The biggest mistake that you can do is, after you made a mistake, to follow that same exact mistake again. You messed up once. You messed up, and you know you messed up big, big time. I'm talking about big time, big, big time. To repeat the same mistake twice, that already, that already is a big no-no. That is already a big no-no. You know, there was a guy, um, um, I don't know if you know, back in the day, he fought easy pants. You know, he fought easy pants. They had, like, the toe you put in the... You put in the coin and things like that. You put in the quarter or you put in a, a 35, whatever it is. You put those coins, right? And a fellow was telling me, I got a ticket twice. So what happened? He said, you know, he used to buy those fake coins. It wasn't a quarter. It wasn't. A, it, was, it was one of those fake things. Like, it costs like a penny. And you buy like a fake. It looks like a fake thing. And you just chuck it in. It looks like, it's like a piece of metal. You just chuck it in and you just go. So he said, he bought it. And he throws it in the, in the toe. And, and guess what? The, the thing went on, right? and, and he did it with the next toll again. And, yeah, same thing. Like, what are you doing? You messed up once. You're messing up the same exact mistake. That was that. What's even a bigger mistake that you can't do? When somebody else did that same mistake, and and he, he already made that mistake, and you didn't learn from his mistake. That is even a bigger mistake. And why am I telling you this now? Because Rashi really explained. Says, what is the connection? between this parasha and last week's parasha. Oh, Miriam. What, please explain to me, what was the connection with this? Last week it spoke about Miriam, and this week it spoke about the Meraglim. And what happened was, Miriam was basically Eldad and Meidad. We said last week, Eldad and Meidad, they were having this Shavuah. And they were like, whoa, it's Raha Kodesh. Something amazing. And Miriam walks by, and with Sipporah, Sipporah was Moshe's wife. And, and she says 
she was not feel bad for these for these for these women. Which woman she was referring to? To the other men died because it was such at a high level that she felt every navi has to separate herself from her husband. That's what Moshe did, right? Separated from Tzipora. So Moshe, Mo, Miriam heard that, and Miriam said, "Whoa, what's going on?" So Miriam went to Moshe in an asking form in front of Aharon, just talking like, "How could it be that you're separating from your wife?" And it was maybe like a little bit, maybe the right choice. That little bit for Miriam was considered uh, considered for her Allah, and she got salat and. The whole nation, maybe three million people, waiting till Maryam got better before they even traveled. Why? Because we know it was midah, keneged midah. Maryam waited. How long did Maryam wait for Moshe Rabbeinu? When Moshe was a baby, she saw that her mother, what happened? She was in the river, in the Nile. Now, she wanted to see what's going to happen to her brother. And how long did she wait? Anybody know? How long did she wait? Anybody get them? Two hours. Anybody else? Says the Tosafot that day. Says the Tosafot says about 15 minutes. 15 minutes waiting, 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 waiting. And Bizkuta, 15 minutes, Bizkuta, Hashem calls Midah, Keneged Midah, measure for measure, that the whole Amisail, you waited for Moshe Rabbeinu, you waited for your little brother for 15 minutes, the whole Amisail can wait seven days. Until you get better and healed from the tzara'ah. When you do something good in life, Hashem doesn't pay you back, you know, uh, uh, one for one. You know, in life, between me and you, if your friend does you a favor, let's say a friend took you to the airport. He had to go to the airport badly, he takes you to the airport. So you hold a favor, what are you going to do? You're going to take him to the airport. But imagine now, would you be considered, wait, one second, I took you to the airport, now, every time I need a ride to the airport, from now until um, uh, another 20 years, I want you to take me there. Is that fair? Is that fair? What are you talking about? I took you once. I'll get pay, repay, repay you back the favor. I'll take you another time. But to go ahead now, I tell you, for the next 20 years, since I took you once, you got to take me. It doesn't make sense. But Hashem doesn't work like that. The way Hashem works is that you do one faith to be a home, and in a sense, you do one good deed, Hashem says, I'll pay you $2,000. Not, not, not that one. The, 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 he pays 2,000 times. That means imagine you're giving to organizations. Right? You give $1,000. How much Hashem gives you in return? A thousand times that says a thousand. Or what about good deeds that you plan on doing in your life? You make, you just smile to someone in the morning. Some people, you know, uh, uh, they need that. Just a, just a little bit, you know. Just a little bit to, to get invigorated. Give him that smile, that one smile that you gave that person. Hashem is going to make sure that he's going to take care of you 2,000 times more than that one smile that he did. You know, the man said, what's better? A glass of milk, a guy, let's say a guy is, 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 is very, very thirsty. He just needs some milk just to like, whatever, something, a little bit of milk. And you give him a whole glass of milk, and he's like, oh, wow, that was amazing. Uh, it quenched me. Or a person that smiles with his white teeth <clears throat> to another person. He says, says, it's better to smile with white teeth. Oh, how you doing? Because in the mind, there's chemicals that's happening in the brain where the person feels good from your smile. Wow. It's an amazing, it's an amazing point. You can actually speak it out. Better to give a nice smile <coughs> to somebody than to give them a glass of milk. What costs more? A glass of milk. And more work. And it's this. But what do you do? Fine. 
How you doing? Good morning. How's everything? I miss you. I wow, you know what you just did? You know what you just did? Hashem will pay you back 2,000 times more. 2,000 times more from that one smile. What is it? Spring, go like this, you know? Yeah, it's just a smile. I know. I know. I know some. You hear me back around sometimes? I know. Hashem will smile back at you. One time you'll see Hashem where you really need him the most. And all of a sudden it pops out of nowhere where you see it. Like, what a sign. What was this and that? And that? What did happen? You know, you, you're working on a business deal and this, that. And boom, on your table comes a paper. What? That happened. I can't believe it. From the chance of happening, you'll be one in a million. It's the craziest thing. And you'll see it in your life, by the way. No question about it. Right, but I'd like to continue. What was the mistake? The Meraglim should have learned from Miriam. If you speak a derogatory, maybe. If you speak Lashonara, something bad, what happened? There's a punishment. She got Sarah. There's a punishment. So the Meraglim should have learned the mistake from Miriam. What? The mistake should. Listen, you can't speak derogatory. And what they do, they spoke derogatory of who knows? Um, now, I have a question. I don't have an answer yet, but hopefully somebody could give me an answer. So, I'll tell you the question. I'm not giving you the answer. Somebody can answer be great. And that is, I don't understand. What's the comparison to this? That's what the refreshment is. And what they should have learned, the, the reason why this parasha is right after Miriam is to teach you that the Meraglim, it's Mehudig, Meraglim should have learned from Miriam not to speak derogatory, not to speak bad about age to ale. How could you learn? How, what's the connection between one and one? At the end of the day, Riyam spoke about a human being, about Moshe Rabbeinu, right? How come Moshe is separating from your wife? What was it that thinking about? The land of Israel. It's sale. The, does the land of Israel uh, hear anything? I understand Moshe, even Moshe, he was very humble about it, by the way. It says in the Sukim, he was very humble about it. But the land of Israel, I understand when he's speaking about Shadara. You're hurting, you're hurting another fellow Jew. You're hurting, it has feelings. The person has feelings. Imagine you speak something bad about somebody else. He has feelings. You hurt my feelings at the end of the day. I don't care. At the end of the day, people are going to look at you differently now. But over here, it's the land of Israel we're talking about. They describe the land of Israel as giving, as almost a human. I'm sure that it'll fit you out. And it'll ah. Protect you and so, so explain, Oriana, explain what's your answer, please. What's your answer? What's your answer? Do, does NHSL have feelings yeah. or no? Any sale physically has feelings. You're saying any sale right now, uh, if a person steps on uh, on any sale, he's stepping on me, and if you're that, huh? You're going back, you're going to Balaam Zohar, the Malach of any sale. Okay, what do you have to say, Daddy? Let's hear. Oh, I hear. I hear. Okay. 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 The Jews win. The Jews win. Okay. So, so, so basically, what I got. Basically, what I got from everybody, which you talk about somebody's food, you're so, 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 so you're saying even a restaurant you can't talk about, which is true. Right. You can't write bad about a business because you ruin it. Okay, I got you. So, but, but he doesn't have feelings, though. Yeah. Who has feelings about a sale, Marsh? Please tell me. You. Who? I have. How do we feel? I hear you saying. So you're saying when they spoke about the land of Israel, even though I would say. Technically speaking, on the lines of Teddy, that at the end of the day, Hashem is saying this is the promised land. This is the land, I'm giving you the best land possible. For you to go ahead and talk derogatory, it sounds in a way, 
you're talking about the person, the creator, who created the land. I, Hashem says, this is the land of what? Milk and honey. Why is it, Mike? Why is it called milk and honey? Why? Anybody can tell me why? The uh, cows are going to be so low. Oh, and the are going to be exactly. Going to be so exactly. The goat. Very good. Very good, Mike. Says what happened? The 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 land is so uh, 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 satiated that the date of the tree is so full of honey that it's going to ooze out from the from the palm. All on the floor, it's going to be so much honey, and the udders of the ghosts, they're going to be so saturated with, with milk. When you're walking on the road, you'll see milk and honey. I don't know if you ever have a, a shake. You ever have a shake, milk, and uh, a date? You ever, you ever have that shake? You know, I had it once in Israel. They gave me a whole thing with milk and honey and dates, and it's crazy. I go drink, right? And I do. In any case, in any case, Maybe we can answer like the boys are saying. It's derogatory in the sense where you're thinking about the person who created the land. Therefore, it can get called even harsher. You think about Hashem. Hashem didn't create a great land, a perfect land. Maybe. In any case, let's go on a little bit. And that is, they walk in to a land and they see, they see people Dying. Now, was that a good thing or a bad thing? Good. Good thing or a bad thing? Wait one second. Why would it be a good thing and why would it be a bad thing? First of all, when they came back, what did they say? What did they say when they came back? Yes. Exactly. It's a land that swallows the inhabitants. I like that one. Very nice. It's a land that Flowers and habits. Eretz ochelet yoshvea. It's a land ochelet eats its inhabitants. What happened? What happened? Hashem made a miracle. Listen what happened. Hashem made a miracle. Saying like this. Imagine 12 guys coming to the country. All at once. They don't look part of the country. Imagine you have 12 guys coming into America right now. What would Trump do? They don't look at, like, at all, at all, like, like, like Americans at all. What's the first thing? They, you question a million things. Imagine 12, 12 people coming to Israel. What's the first? It's a red light. What's the red light? People are going to start looking, oh, my goodness, who are these guys? Where are you from? You don't look like one of us. Well, what are you doing here? What happened? Hashem made a, made a miracle. He made a nest. He made a situation, the best situation that the Meraglim can ever have, that the spies can ever have. What's going to happen? They're going to go in. People are going to be dying and dying and dying and dying. So what do the people do? They go bury the dead. And therefore, you think they're focusing? You think they care who came in the country, who didn't come in the country? They couldn't care. They have to bury the dead right now. So Hashem distracted the people in order for the Meraglim to come back and they don't, they don't even recognize that. But what does the Meraglim come out and say? What do they come out and say? Oh, don't, don't, that land is wild land. Why? 
because you don't understand the idiots and inhabitants. They did this, they did that, they did that. So in a sense, in a sense, what really Hashem was doing great for them, they used it and utilized it as a negative. Now, my question to you all is, do we blame do we blame the Melaglim or not? Meaning to say, let's just go back a little bit with the episode of the Melaglim. Think about what's going on over there. Hashem promises them, you're going to get the land. You're going to get the land. All the people, they know, they're going to walk in and they're going to have to fight a war against many, many kings. It took Yeshua about seven years to conquer. You have to understand, they're going into Israel right now, and they're telling them, you want a peace treaty, or you leave? You leave, peace treaty, or we fight. Imagine you go and get, why? Because this is our land. So what are we doing right now? Peace treaty? We got peace. Or you guys can leave. Or fight a war. That means B'nai Israel is coming out of Egypt, Going in the desert, how much torture they already had in Egypt, going into the desert and going straight out to fight into a war, that's a wild war. Of course, God promised them they're going to win the war. Of course, God promised them they're going to, they're going to get that land. But at the end of the day, the people want to know what they're in for. What am I getting into? It's like if a first example, he starts a new business. I mean, it's not such a great example, but remember, starts a new, you have a start, I, I remember I was by, by a person's uh, store once. And he was telling me, it's going down, it's this, my bills are this, and I have to pay for that, I have to pay for that. And I don't know what I'm doing, but I need to quit this job and start a whole thing. It's scary, like, where are you going? Imagine you get lost without ways or anything like that. You're like, where am I going? You can you, 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 you go wild. Uh, your phone died, and, and nobody else on your phone. You're on the highway, you're, your phone broke out. What are you going to do? You're on the side, you get nervous. So what do you want from Nathan? Don't they have a right to be nervous? Don't they have a right? Think about it. In their situation, their position. The answer is no. You know why? Because they saw all the miracles that happened, how Hashem destroyed Egypt like this. They should have remembered all what Hashem did to say, well, if Hashem did that already, then there's no question about it. Hashem will continue blessing us. Right? But now, the Meraglim, they all know what B'nai Yisrael wants what do they still want? They want not really to go in because they're scared. What's going to be? So the men I in a sense, they want to appease the people. They want to appease the people. And therefore, well, what's the first thing that they want to do? Let's say, for example, you're a leader. Let's say you're the president of the USA. And you know every single, like a lot of people, let's say, 80%, let's say, want a certain rule to be applied in the country. And you're about to be elected. But you know deep down, it's not the best thing. What would you do? Honestly, what would you do? Again. Implement the rule. Implement the rule. You're right. I, I, I would agree to that. You know why? Should I tell you why you implement the rule? Because you have so much pressure from the 80% of the country. If you say this rule won't happen... It could be they'll impeach you. They'll say, get out. 
Don't throw tomatoes at you from to tomorrow. They'll, they'll bend you. They'll scream at you. They'll say you're a nut job. And who knows what? So now I ask you if that's the case. You have the medagrim. You have the spies in a situation where they know what the people want. And they find me in a position of power. What do you want from them? You, uh, you blame them? They want to make sure the people are happy. So therefore they want to say to the people what they want to hear. Would you say that that's a sufficient answer, yes or no? Huh? I would say that's sufficient. I would say that's sufficient. So maybe we could say, maybe we could say the reason why they spoke bad about the land is because the people wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. So the, 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 in a sense, the Magrim didn't really want to speak about bad about the land. No, they wanted what? They wanted to just appease the people to keep their position. But guess what? Yeah, it doesn't make it okay. But think about Mark. Think about the pressure. Imagine you have eighty percent, whatever it is. Think about the pressure where everybody's telling you, "Let's go, let's go, let's go." Imagine the way you say, "Call out." The ninety percent of the guy wants to call out. What is the right? He's out far in the way. Oh, wait, call out. You get what I'm trying to say? It's a very, it's a very pressuring situation over here. Imagine you have you have hundreds of thousands of people all want to hear what they want to hear, and you're going to go against the color. That's a very big pressure. But guess what? That didn't deter them. That answer is not sufficient. Because that answer, they bring down the thought actually spoke. What was the reason why they spoke in the way they spoke? Uh, they, why? They, they were the leaders. And when a person feels the taste of honor, of being a leader, it is one of probably the biggest painful things a person can go through where he had leadership and he was pulled down from his leadership. Empowered. He was empowered and pulled down from that power. It is probably one of the biggest pains a person can go through. More than a person that he was, let's say, very wealthy and pulled down from his wealth. Power is so much stronger than that where a person was in a place of power and then pulled down. It, it causes inside of a person the biggest pain. Like, what? You, I, you can't believe it. What happened? What happened was the Menagrim understood that once they get into Israel, their power is gone. Why? Yeshua was going to be the next leader. They knew Yeshua was going to become the next leader. That means Yeshua is taking the case. Yeshua is getting all the power. That means all the power is going to be gone. And therefore you see a great lesson over here. You know what you see right here? you would see a lesson the sweetness of honor could do. Honor, you have to be very careful in your life to run away from honor. It's sweet. It's delicious. It's probably one of the biggest pleasures in the world out of everything. How do I know that? I remember one rabbi told me like this. He said, he saw one, there was a cop who's having, you know, those big fat jelly donuts? He's having a fat jelly donut. Aye. And the jelly was like coming down his, uh, his chin. Oh, what a jelly donut. What a jelly donut. And he's going down. And, he's, uh, and all of a sudden, what happens? He's going slow. He's going slow on the road. Why are you going slow on the road? Because you're having the jelly donut. You can't drive fast. and it doesn't, You can't enjoy the same. So what did he do? There's a guy behind him and cuts the cop off. I understand the guy. The guy, the guy, the cop is driving so slow. So he cut the cop off. 
What was the first thing reaction of the cops? Siren! Pull over to the left! I would say you're eating a jelly donut, you're relaxing with the Boston cream thing, and all of a sudden you're pulling this guy, oh, what happened? The answer is, he disrespected me by passing a cop. You don't mess with a cop. You have the right away. Go, go, go. You disrespected me by going in front of me? Yes? Okay. I'll pull you over. But you're enjoying your donut. No. Honor is a higher pleasure than a physical, uh, 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 physical pleasure. Honor is even higher. How do I know that? Pull it again. You ever hear of a king named Yeroham bin Nevat? You ever hear of him? Anybody ever hear of him? You know, Ram Ben Avad, you ever hear of him? No? Huh? It was evil, but what happened to him? What happened to him, he was in a position of power, of ruling over ten tribes. Ten Shevatim. And what was going on, he wasn't really from Shevat Yehuda. So Mo's son took over, Rechavah. And he was from Shevat Yehuda. In the Beit HaMikdash, the only person that can sit on the throne, basically, in the Beit HaMikdash, is who? If you're from the dynasty of David. If you're from the dynasty of David, you get to sit. But I don't worry about. When I'm in Yerovam, Yerovam, he understood people have to go three times a year to the Beit HaMikdash. Which three times a year? Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. What happens when they go? Who are they going to see sitting in the front? The king! And they're not going to see Yeruvam. They're going to see this other king, Yeruvam, which is for one son. So they're, they're going to come. All the people, come. all ten tribes, they're going to come to, 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 to Jerusalem three times a year. What do they see in the front? Who's going sitting in the front? So who's the king over here? It was two kings at the time. Yeah, it was two kings at the time. There was two kings at the time. Yeruvam was one king over two Shvatim. He was down in Benjamin. And he was king on the rest. So when they go and they see the Chavam sitting, they're going to get confused. They're going to say, oh, you know what? He's not the real king. Like, I'm the real king because he's not sitting in the throne. So what did he do? What did he do to Potai? In the beginning, he started off a very good king. So honor and the Kavod got to, the, got to him so badly that he ended up putting idols on the side. You want to worship? No, you don't have to go to Jerusalem anymore. There's no rules now. What's in the rules? You are going to worship over here, right here. On the way, keep a guard. Where are you going? To Jerusalem. No, you're not. Imagine you have guards now. Oh, the king said, you're not. We're winning. But I have to go. The Torah says, we come to you. You got to go. No, no, no. Over here, which korban you want to give? Give it over here. We're going to build the idol. This, this, this is where you're supposed to give the korban now. What? What? What happened? The honor got to a person. It gets to your head. If you go ahead and try to grab the honor, guess what? It can get to your head. It is dangerous. It is poison. I'm telling you, poison, I'm telling you. I remember my rabbi. He came to me once, and he was flipping out. The next morning, he was flipping out. I said, what happened? So I just, he told me the personal story. I just came from a wedding last night. Last night, the wedding, they gave him, you know, at the wedding, they gave him barachot. You know, they give the barachot out. This, this person gets the barachot. That person gets the barachot. Under the chupah. And one of the relatives, he didn't, he didn't give a berachatu. One of the relatives, and he felt, I'm, I'm close to the thing. I deserve the honor of making that berachah. And at the end of the chupa, he went up to my rabbi and said, 
don't you ever talk to me again. I said, what? He didn't say, don't give me a bracha. Like, hello, you're looking at it like you're fighting over a bracha. You know what happened? You, you, the, the, the thing is, you never tasted that type of honor where, let's say, for example, you're in a chupah and you're excited. Uh, you had 400 people going to listen to your bracha. Baruch the honor is so great at that moment where a person doesn't think properly. It, it, he's totally off. I'll tell you a personal story that happened to me. I was driving one day, and there was literally, and I kid you not, and I'm telling you the story that personally had me as I was driving. There was a guy, he was with a cane, maybe 90 years old, maybe 95 even. The guy was walking with his hunchback. Have it to me. I'm telling you. The guy, I don't know, I don't think he's Jewish, no. Hunchback. And he was walking the game like this. And he was crossing the street. Now I had the green light. And, of course, I'm not, I'm making a left. And I'm not going to hit the guy. And I'm also going to be very far from the guy. But I had the right of way as well. I, I can make a left. Now he just started crossing the street. And I was on the other way, so I made my left. The guy with the cane, I'm telling you, with the cane. He lifted up the cane like this on top of his head. What are you? You should wait for me. Hello, I'm, I'm very far away, maybe eight feet away from the guy, totally, totally away. But in a way, it was dishonorable for him because everything from the beginning where he starts walking the street. Until time he spent till he perishes, but he, he he lifted he lifted up his cane above his above his head. I saw my own eyes. So where did the strength come from? He can't even walk the street. What happened? You know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. You hit a soft spot. You hit a soft spot that you dishonored him because you dishonored him. His adrenaline popped out of his brain and he started feeling like an 18-year-old with all his strength. He said, what are you doing? You see, what honor could do, it could bring out something that you never imagined possible. And guess what? It wasn't only him. And after who? In a few weeks, we're going to learn about who? Korach. Korach felt that he deserved a certain position where Moshe gave to somebody else. And now Korach says, oh, Moshe is giving it to all the relatives, this, that. You have to have this connection and with that connection. But what was he deep part that? He felt he deserved that honor. And guess what? That's what killed the person. And this is a great lesson. <laughs> this is a great lesson we learned. That in life, yeah, you will have situations, maybe you won't, but you might have, let's say like this, you might have, you might have situations, maybe, that people, maybe not now, but later 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, people might dishonor you. Maybe long term, you'll have, let's say, a son-in-law comes into your house and he's being disrespectful a little bit. You know, what are you disrespectful me? I gave you my daughter. Are you crazy? Could be. Could be. I'm saying it's very well. And that's, that's where Shalom Bai starts happening, where the father-in-law says to his daughter, 
This is what you, this is what your husband does. He comes to the Shabbat table. He doesn't say Shabbat Shalom. You better tell him. Better say Shabbat Shalom. Tell him to kiss my hand next week. He doesn't kiss my hand. He's out of here. You know. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, uh, so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a person can get into what? Additional bias issues. What happened? And then guess what? The, the son-in-law tells his wife. What are you crazy? So we won't eat any Shabbat. Every Shabbat we're going to stay. We're not going to eat. And then all of a sudden the whole tumult comes out. You know, so Paul tells the boy, you see, marry a rotten guy. And before you know it, the marriage is corrupt. They can't get back together. They can't. But what happened? It all happened from what? This respect that somebody stepped on your honor. Sometimes in life, you got to feel that, take that pain of disrespect, eat it up, swallow it, move on. There was one time a politician, and they were really bashing him and bashing him and bashing him. And 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 this politician said over. He said, they asked him, like, they interviewed him, how do you do it? So I have a rule. I have a rule. Even when the guy spits in your face, you wipe it off, you smile and you shake his hand. All, everything's good. All's good. It's the, all the image. It's the this, that. But he's able to swallow his pride, and that will continue making him successful. Because when a politician, let's take just give an example, a politician gets up there, and imagine right now in the crowd, he's giving a speech, one of you know those big speeches he gives. Imagine finally giving a whole speech, and all of a sudden somebody screams out, "You stay in the word God!" A guy should fire up, "You shut your mouth!" No, he You swallow your pride. Boy, boy. You swallow your pride. And you continue. And I love saying this as well. Sometimes your wife will dishonor you too. Sometimes your wife might say a harsh word. Good for nothing, guy. You, you, she might do that under her breath. And you heard it. And it might kick you off like, hello. You see birds and you're ready to go wild. And that's when you swallow your pride as well. Honor, I learned in the class about honor tonight. And I know I've got to swallow my pride. It's the same thing when a person's driving. Sometimes a guy might dishonor you by turning you off. Oh, it's the first thing reaction. This guy cut me off. You know, he cut me off. This guy, ah, he cut him off. And then he cut you off. And then he cut him off. And then who knows what, man. Then he's chasing you. He's coming at you. Know, who knows what. So you got it sometimes, what? You got it. Swallow your pride. Swallow your honor. Because it might happen where people might step on your toes and you can't answer back. It might happen with an employee and a, and, and a boss. A boss might shamble you. Listen, listen, buddy. You're late every single day. What's going on over here? Every single day you come late? Every single day? What am I paying you for? And deep down, deep down, you have crazy excuses. Every day you have crazy excuses. What do you mean? Today, uh, this happened, and, and, and you have good excuses. And, and tomorrow, that happened, and this, that, that happened. And every single one of those excuses is great. He doesn't want to hear anything. He just wants you to be on time. You can have the best excuse. He doesn't want to hear it. Just swallow your pride. You're right. Boss, I'm going to take it. Tomorrow, I'll be here on time. That's what he wants to hear. So give him what he wants to hear. Because guess what? You're going to gain more like that. You're going to gain more. You swallow your honor. 
follow your pride, and you'll see so much more success with Parshman. I like to present to you a point that I think is also very, very, very important that we learned about swallowing your pride. Right? And, and, and it might happen where, again, your wives, your boys, your employees, people dishonor you, you swallow that pride. Remember this lesson, by the way. It'll happen sometimes. Remember, it might happen. Swallow. It's okay. It's okay. You gain more like that. You win at the end of the day. But I must add this last tidbit, and that is there was a very great Chacham, a very great Tzadik, that Moshe prayed before before the spies left. Does anybody know who that is? Sure. Yoshua. Very good. What was Yoshua's name beforehand? Hoshea. He added what? He added you. Now, my question to you is, why was it Moshe so concerned about his student? Simply put, because he likes students. And a Rebbe has to care for his students. A rabbi has to pray for his congregants. He has congregants. Yeah, he, he has to take a responsibility. It's not just oh, yeah, teaching and learning and this. It's also a responsibility. Where you know what, the the, the rabbi has the responsibility also in prayers. Yes, I'll pray for, for for my congregants. I'll pray for this. I'll pray for that. I'll pray for my listeners. I'll pray for my followers. Yes, responsible. It reflects also on you who you are. Imagine now you have a student who didn't do what he was supposed to. What's the first thing that happens? What what do they blame? So look, this is the student that this guy has. Look at this guy. This is the student. Ah, come on. What is he teaching them? Close the ball, close the bag. So therefore, Moshe also, Moshe had a responsibility to Yoshua. But there's one more pointer that's very important. And that is, Moshe saw something in Yoshua that could have led to heaven to this a mishap in the new a sale when he went to spot. And what is that? Who said that? Oh yeah, very nice. Anapa. Humility. Now don't get me wrong, humility is very, very important. Moshe was known for his humility at all the door. However, there are some times where humility you cannot be humble. And I'm going to give you an example through daily life and then you'll understand there was a lady once, and I know this lady personally. She um, she put her child into a very very good yeshiva, very good school. That the kid was learning and learning and learning and learning. He was one of the top in his class. The husband, her husband, wasn't so fond of this yeshiva. It was on a high caliber of religion and studies and Judaic studies, where he said, no 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 no. I was thinking in my mind, wait, where else are you going to put the kid? He put him in a school who doesn't focus on Judaic studies at all. There's only secular, it, that's it, that's it. And I said, you're killing your kid. He doesn't have any education about our zero. And not only that, he was flourishing. And the importance of it, this school is a million times better. No, the, 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 the husband was insisting. 
And I went to the wife and I said to her, listen, sometimes in life you got to put your foot down. And the rabbis called her up and the rabbis told her as well, the rabbis, the rabbis, the yeshiva, said, listen, keep your son in. He's doing fantastic. He's doing amazing. He's doing, no, the, the, the father, it's a too religious school and this and that. So I told, I, I spoke to the wife, I said, listen, you know, in life, you got to be, put your foot down on this one. Your son's growing. Don't let it happen. He can become big stuff. She said, she was a very humble lady. So where's my husband? Where's my husband? I don't go get my husband. I don't go get my husband. My husband is my husband. My husband is my husband. My husband, that's it. I have to lose my husband. And the kid ended up going to that not religious school, and that was the end of the story. But what am I trying to bring out of here? That sometimes the humility of that wife, Marco, yeah? Sometimes the humility of that wife is a point where she cannot be humble in this situation. Where you have to say, honey, go to your husband and say, listen, and push a little bit more than usual. Honey, you know, the rabbis are all telling us that this is the right school. Let's, let's take a, take a, you know, let's take it one more year. Let's, you have to put your foot down. Oh, my husband, my husband, my husband, put my head down, my husband, my husband. There are times like that, yeah. But in certain situations, you cannot have that humility right now in this situation. And now imagine your shul was very, very humble. Now imagine 10 rabbis. You have to understand who these Maraglim is. There's a big misconception because people think Maraglim is Shaim. No, it's not true. It's not true. You know Moshe Rabbeinu before? He sent these Maraglim. You know, you know what happened? I, Moshe asked Hashem, is his name. Is this guy good? Is this guy good? And Hashem said, yes, this guy is perfect. This guy is great. That guy is great. That guy is great. From the beginning to the end, each man I believe, each fight was 100% good. And Hashem said, you know what kind of level that is? It was a humongous level. It was a humongous level. So therefore, Yahshua is going to hear 10 of them saying over, you know what? It's a bad land. It's a good land. So Yahshua might get influenced and say, who am I? One against. 10 or 2 against 10. You can't go against 10. And therefore, through his humility, he kept quiet. Could be. So Moshe went out of his way to pray extra hard for Yeshua. Now, now, this is not the time when he prayed to Hashem, Hashem help him overcome the humility that he has not to be succumbed by the, by the 10 that I agree. Everybody's clear like that? But my question to you is, where did you come from? Where do you come from? You can't just put a youth, oh, let's put a youth in front of Hoshea, making Yoshua instead of Hoshea. Where did the youth come from, Dachirak? Where did the youth come from? Huh? You know what the Hashim explained? The Hashim explained, we have in history, our, one of our Imachot was, her name was, Sarai. They changed it to what? Sarah. What do you think that you did when he was taking away from this Tadeki. He was crying to Hashem, Hashem, you're taking me away from Sarai. My letter was on a Tadeki's name. What are you, what is this business over here? My, my letter. He says, don't worry. We'll hold it off. And we'll put it this time, not at the last letter of the name. We'll put it the first letter of the name. Right now, Sarai, where's the use? At the last letter of her name, Sarai, the last letter. A sin, the S U. It's the last letter. We'll take that U and put it in the front of Yoshua, the first letter of another tzaddik. You hear that? But the question is, 
why from Sarai? What's the connection to Yeshua to Sarah? What is that connection? And then if I actually explain like this, they say so beautiful. Say, think about Sarai's life for a second. She comes in and she's not having the children. Another uh, lady comes into the marriage, Hagar, Hagar, has a son, Yishmael. Now you have to understand, Yishmael is Abraham's son from Hagar. She realizes that Yishmael is a bad influence to Yitzhak. She has to put her foot down, and she has to say to Abraham, I need your child out of the house. What do you mean, my, my child out of the house? How much uh, shred does a woman have to have to tell her own husband, take your child out of the house? How much? Tell me how much. From one to, one to 100, how much? 110, you know what I'm saying? How much power and strength does Sarah have to have without Abraham? Take your son out of the house. I don't care how soft you say it. I don't care how nice you say it. At the end of the day, you're telling your your husband, you're telling your guy, she's telling your husband, kick your son out. That's it. She's got to get out. Not only that, that, that lady that you were with also, she's got to leave. So seeing two people, hi guys, and Yishmael, and out, beautiful, out. What are you, how much shed do you have to have? How much shed? And, and what does Abraham, Abraham can say back? Oh, why, why? What's wrong? You, you want a guy that? What's wrong? Abraham can go back and forth. But what happened? And she's the one who told him to bring you. Now you tell me to kick out. So there's a, how many things are going against Sarah right now? Everything. Her husband is picked out. She was the one who picked out. Everything's going. So what is, uh, what does Sarah do? She overcomes her humility. And she says, Abraham, I respect you so much. But this, I stand my ground. This, the boy This, I got to leave. It's a bad news, I see it. I see it. Put, I, she put her foot down. She put her foot down. That was when she was Sarai. She put her foot down. She says, wow, now that youth has a koach. Now that youth has the power. We can use that youth for Yeshua. And now Yeshua can overcome the power against all those feminines. In life, nothing ever goes to waste. You would see a lesson the sweetness of honor could do. Honor, you have to be very careful in your life to run away from honor. It's sweet. It's delicious. It's probably one of the biggest pleasures in the world out of everything. How do I know that? I remember one rabbi told me like this. He said, he saw one, there was a cop who was having, you know, those big fat jelly donuts. He was having a fat jelly donut. I, and the jelly was like coming down his, uh, his chin. Oh, what a jelly donut. What a jelly donut. And he's going down. And, he's, uh, and all of a sudden, what happened? He's going slow. He's going slow on the road. Why are you going slow on the road? Because you're having the jelly donut. You can't drive fast and doesn't, you can't enjoy the same. So what did he do? There's a guy behind him and cuts the cop off. Because then I understand the guy. The guy, the guy, the cop is driving so slow. So he cut the cop off. What was the first thing reaction of the cop? Siren. Pull over to the left. I understand you're eating a jelly donut. You're relaxing with the Boston cream thing. All of a sudden you're pulling this guy. Oh, what happened? The answer is 
he disrespected me by passing a cop. You don't mess with a cop. You have the right away. Go, go, go. You disrespected me by going in front of me? Yes? Okay. I'll pull you over. But you enjoy your donut. No. Honor is a higher pleasure than a physical uh, 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 physical pleasure. Honor is even higher. How do I know that? Pull it again. You ever hear of a king named Yeroham bin Nevat? You ever hear of him? Anybody ever hear of him? You know, Ram Benavad, you ever hear of him? No? Huh? It was evil, but what happened to him? What happened to him, he was in a position of power, of ruling over ten tribes. Ten Shevatim. And what was going on, he wasn't really from Shevat Yehuda. So Mo's son took over, Rechavah, and he was from Shevat Yehuda. In the Beit HaMikdash, the only person that could sit on the throne, basically, in the Beit HaMikdash, is who? If you're from the dynasty of David. If you're from the dynasty of David, you get to sit. Whatever worry about. Whatever you're about. You're about. He understood. People have to go three times a year to the Beit HaMikdash. Which three times a year? What happens when they go? Who are they going to see sitting in the front? The king! And they're not going to see Yeroboam. They're going to see this other king, Yeroboam, which is for one son. So they're going to come. All the people, come. all ten tribes, they're going to come to, 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 to Jerusalem three times a year. What do they see in the front? Who's going sitting in the front? So who's the king over here? It was two kings at Yeah, it was two kings at the time. It was two kings at the time. Yeroboam was one king over two Shvatim. He was down in Benjamin. And he was king on the rest. So when they go and they see the Chavam sitting, they're going to get confused. They're going to say, oh, you know what? He's not the real king. The Chavam's the real king because he's not sitting in the throne. So what did he do? What did he do to Potai? In the beginning, he started off a very good king. So honor and the Kavod got to, the, got to him so badly that he ended up putting idols on the side. You want to worship? No, you don't have to go to Jerusalem anymore. There's no rules now. What's in the rules? You are going to worship over here, right here. On the way, keep a guard. Where are you going? To Jerusalem. No, you're not. Imagine you have guards now. Oh, the king said, you're not. We're waiting. But I have to go. The Torah says three times a year, you got to go. No, no, no. Over here, which korban you want to give? Give it over here. We're going to build, build, a, build an idol. This, this, this is where you're supposed to give the korban now. What? What? What happened? The honor got to a person. It gets to your head. If you go ahead and try to grab the honor, guess what? It can get to your head. It is dangerous. It is poison. I'm telling you, poison, I'm telling you. I remember my rabbi. He came to me once, and he was flipping out. The next morning, he was flipping out. So what happened? So I just, he told me the personal story. I just came from a wedding last night. Last night, the wedding, they gave him, you know, at the wedding, they gave him barachot. You know, they give the barachot out. This, this, this person gets the barachot. That person gets the barachot. Under the chupah. And one of the relatives, he didn't, he didn't give a berachah to one of the relatives. And he felt, I'm, I'm close to the thing. I deserve the honor of making that berachah. And at the end of the chuppah, he went up to my rabbi and he said, don't you ever talk to me again. I said, what? He didn't understand. Don't give me a berachah. Like, hello, you're looking at it. Like, you're fighting over a barakah. You know what happened? 
the the end, you never tasted that type of honor where, let's say, for example, you're in a chupa and you're excited. Uh, you had 400 people going to listen to your bracha. Baruch the honor is so great at that moment when a person doesn't think properly. It, it, he's totally off. I'll tell you a personal story that happened to me. I was driving one day, and there was literally, and I kid you not, and I'm telling you the story that personally had me as I was driving. There was a guy, he was with a cane, maybe 90 years old, maybe 95 even. The guy was walking with his hunchback. Have it to me. I'm telling you. The guy, I don't know, I don't think he's Jewish, no. Hunchback. And he was walking the game like this. And he was crossing the street. Now I had the green light. And, of course, I'm not, I'm making a left. And I'm not going to hit the guy. And I'm also going to be very far from the guy. But I had the right of way as well. I, I can make a left. Now he just started crossing the street. And I was on the other way, so I made my left. The guy with the cane, I'm telling you, with the cane. He lifted up the cane like this on top of his head. What are you? You should wait for me. Hello, I'm, I'm very far away. Maybe eight feet away from the guy. Totally, totally away. But in a way, it was dishonorable for him because everybody from the beginning where he starts walking the street. Until time and he but he 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 lifted he lifted up his cane above his above his head. I saw my own eyes. So where did the strength come from? He can't even walk the street. What happened? You know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. You hit a soft spot. You hit a soft spot that you dishonored him because you dishonored him. His adrenaline popped out of his brain and he started feeling like an 18-year-old with all his strategies. And what are you doing? You see, what honor could do, it could bring out something that you never imagined possible. And guess what? It wasn't only him. And happened to who? In a few weeks, we're going to learn about who? Korach. Korach felt that he deserved a certain position where Moshe gave to somebody else. And now Korach says, oh, Moshe is giving it to all the relatives, this, that. You have to have this connection and with that connection. But what was he deep part of that? He thought he deserved that honor. And guess what? That's what killed the person. And this is a great lesson. <laughs> this is a great lesson we learned. That in life, yeah, you will have situations Maybe you won't, but you might have. Let's say like this. You might have. You might have situations, maybe, that people, maybe not now, but later 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, people might dishonor you. Maybe long term, you'll have, let's say, a son-in-law comes into your house and he's being disrespectful a little bit. You know, what are you, disrespectful me? I gave you my daughter. Are you crazy? Could be. Could be. I'm saying it's very well, and that's, that's where Shalobai starts happening, where the father-in-law says to his daughter, this is, what you, this is what your husband does. He comes to the Shabbat table. He doesn't say Shabbat Shalom. You better tell him, better say Shabbat Shalom. Tell him to kiss my hand next week. He doesn't kiss my hand. He's out of here. You know? And all of a sudden, 
all of a sudden, uh, so all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a person can get into what? Additional body issues. What happened? And then guess what? The, the son-in-law tells his wife, what are you, crazy? So we won't eat any Shabbat. Every Shabbat we're going to stay we're not going to eat. And then all of a sudden, the whole tumult comes there. You know, so Paul tells the boy, you see a married Ryan guy. And before you know it, the marriage is corrupt. They can't get back together. They can't. But what happened? It all happened from what? This respect that somebody stepped on your honor. Sometimes in life, you got to feel that, take that pain of disrespect, eat it up, swallow it, and move on. There was one time a politician, and they were really bashing him and bashing him and bashing him. And, and, and this politician said over. He said, they asked him, like, they interviewed him, how do you do it? I have a rule. I have a rule. Even when the guy spits in your face, you wipe it off, you smile and you shake his hand. All, everything's good. All's good. It's the, all the image. It's the this, that. But he's able to swallow his pride and that will continue making him successful. Because when a politician, let's take just give an example, a politician gets up there and imagine right now in the crowd, he's giving a Speech, one of you know those big speeches he gives. And I finally give you a whole speech, and all of a sudden somebody screams out, "You stay in the word God!" A guy should fire up. You shut your mouth! No, he doesn't. I wonder if you think about the guy. He goes in that case. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it. My president, get out of here! He's a nut job. Look what he does. He scares out the crowd. So what do you do? You keep your mouth shut. You swallow your pride. Boy, boy, you swallow your pride, and you continue. And I love saying this as well. Sometimes your wife will dishonor you too. Sometimes your wife might say a harsh word. Yeah, just for nothing, guy. You, you, she might do that under her breath and you heard it and it might kick you off like, hello, you're seeing birds and you're ready to go wild. And that's when you swallow your part as well. Honor, I learned in the class about honor tonight. And I know I've got to swallow my pride. It's the same thing when a person's driving. Sometimes a guy might dishonor you by cutting you off. Oh, it's the first thing reaction. This guy cut me off. You know, he cut me off. This guy, ah, he cut him off. And then he cut you off. And then he cut him off. And then who knows what, man? Then he's chasing you. He's coming at you. Know? Who knows what? So you got to sometimes what? You got to swallow your pride. Swallow your honor. Because it might happen. But people might step on your toes, and you can't answer back. It might happen with an employee and a, and, and a boss. A boss might shamble you. Listen, listen, buddy, you're late every single day. What's going on over here? Every single day you come late? Every single day? What am I paying you for? And deep down, deep down, you have crazy excuses. Every day you have crazy excuses. What do you mean? Today, uh, this happened, and, and, and you have good excuses. And, and tomorrow, that happened, and this, that, that happened. And every single one of those excuses is great. He doesn't want to hear anything. He just wants you to be on time. You can have the best excuse. He doesn't want to hear it. Just swallow your pride. You're right. Boss, I'm going to take it. Tomorrow I'll be here on time. That's what he wants to hear. So give him what he wants to hear. Because guess what? You're going to gain more like that. You're going to gain more. You swallow your honor, swallow your pride, and you'll see so much more successful partnership. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
I like to present to you a point that I think is also very, very, very important that we learned about swallowing your pride, right? And, and, and it might happen where, again, your wives, your boys, your employees, people dishonor you, you swallow that pride. Remember this lesson, by the way. It'll happen sometimes. Remember, it might happen. Swallow. It's okay. It's okay. You gain more like that. You win at the end of the day. But I must add this last tidbit, and that is there was a very great Chacham, a very great Tzadik, that Moshe prayed before before the spies left. Does anybody know who that is? Sure. Yoshua, very good. What was Yoshua's name beforehand? Hoshea. He added what? He added you. Now, my question to you is, why was it Moshe so concerned about his student? Simply put, because he likes students. And a Rebbe has to care for his students. A Rabbi has to pray for his congregants. He has congregants. Yeah, he has to take a responsibility. It's not just, oh, yeah, teaching and learning and this. It's also a responsibility where, you know what? The, the, the rabbi has the responsibility also in prayers. Yes, I'll pray for, for, for my congress. I'll pray for this. I'll pray for that. I'll pray for my listeners. I'll pray for my followers. Yes. Responsible. It reflects also on you who you are. Imagine now you have a student who didn't do what he was supposed to. What's the first thing that happened? What, what do they blame? Teacher, look. This is the student that this guy has. Look at this guy. This is a student. What is he teaching them? Close the ball, close the bag. So therefore, Moshe also, Moshe had a responsibility to Yoshua. But there's one more pointer that's very important. And that is, Moshe saw something in Yoshua that could have led to heaven forbid a mishap in the new a sale when he went to spot. And what is that? Who said that? Oh, yeah, very nice. Anapa. Humility. Now, don't get me wrong. Humility is very, very important. Moshe was known for his humility at all we don't. However, there are some times where humility you cannot be up. And I'm going to give you an example through daily life, and then you'll understand. There was a lady once, and I know this lady personally, she um, she put her child into a very, very good yeshiva, a very good school, that the kid was learning and learning and learning and learning. He was one of the top in his class. The husband, her husband, wasn't so fond of this yeshiva. It was on a high caliber of religion and studies and Judaic studies where he said, no, 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 no. I was thinking in my mind, Wait, where else are you going to put the kid? He put him in a school who doesn't focus on Judaic studies at all. There's only secular, it, that's it, that's it. And I said, you're killing your kid. He doesn't have any education about our zero. And not only that, she was flourishing. And the importance of it, this school is a million times better. No, the, 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 the husband was insisting. And I went to the wife and I said, no, listen, sometimes in life you got to put your foot down. And the rabbis called her up, and the rabbis told her as well. The rabbis, the rabbis, the yeshiva, said, listen, keep your son in. He's doing, 
fantastic. He's doing amazing. He's doing, no, the, the, the father, it's a two-religious school and this and that. So I told, I, I spoke to the wife, I said, listen, you know, in life, you got to be, put your foot down on this one. Your son's growing. Don't let it happen. He can become big stuff. She said, she was a very humble lady. So where's my husband? Where's my husband? I don't go get my husband. I don't, I don't go get my husband. My husband is my husband. My husband is my husband. My husband, I have to my husband. And the kid ended up going to that not religious school, and that was the end of the story. But what am I trying to bring out of you? That sometimes the humility of that wife, Marco, yeah? Sometimes the humility of that wife is a point where she cannot be humble in this situation. Where you have to say, honey, go to your husband and say, listen, and push a little bit more than usual. Honey, you know, the rabbis are all telling us that this is the right school. Let's, let's take a, take a, you know, let's take it one more year. Let's, you have to put your foot down. Oh, my husband, my husband, my husband, put my head down, my husband, my husband. There are times like that, yeah. But in certain situations, you cannot have that humility right now in this situation. And now imagine your shul was very, very humble. Now imagine 10 rabbis. You have to understand who these Maraglim is. There's a big misconception because people think Maraglim is Shaim. No, it's not true. It's not true. You know Moshe Rabbeinu before? He sent these Maraglim. You know, you know what happened? Moshe asked Hashem, his name. Is this guy good? Is this guy good? And Hashem said, yes, this guy is perfect. This guy is great. That guy is great. That guy is great. From the beginning to the end, each man, I believe, each five was 100% good. And Hashem said, you know what kind of level that is? It was a humongous level. It was a humongous level. So therefore, Yahshua is going to hear 10 of them saying over, you know what? It's a bad land. It's a good land. So Yahshua might get influenced and say, who am I? One against Ten or two against ten, you can't go against ten, and therefore through his humility, he kept quiet. Could be. So Moshe went out of his way to pray extra hard for Yeshua. Now, now, another time when he prayed to Hashem, Hashem help him overcome the humility that he has, not to be succumbed by the by the ten that I agree. Everybody's clear like that. But my question to you is, where did you come from? Where do you come from? You can't just put a youth, oh, let's put a youth in front of Hoshea, making Yoshua instead of Hoshea. Where did the youth come from, Dachirak? Where did the youth come from? Huh? You know what the Hashim explained? The Hashim explained, we have in history, our, one of our Imachot was, her name was, Sarai. They changed it to what? Sarah. What do you think that you did when he was taking away from this Tadekin. He was crying to Hashem, Hashem, you're taking me away from Sarai. My letter was on a Tadekin's name. What are you, what is this business over here? My, my letter. He says, don't worry. We'll hold it off. And we'll put it this time, not at the last letter of the name. We'll put it the first letter of the name. Right now, Sarai, where's the use? At the last letter of her name, Sarai, the last letter. A sin, there's you, it's the last letter. We'll take that you and put it in the front of Yoshua, the first letter of another tzaddik. You hear that? But the question is why from Sarai? What's the connection to Yoshua to Sarah? What is that connection? 
And then the fashion explained like this. They say, so beautiful, say, think about Sarai's life for a second. She comes in, and she's not having the children. Another uh, lady comes into the marriage, Hagar, Hagar, has a son, Yishmael, that you have to understand. Yishmael is Abraham's son from Hagar. She realizes that Yishmael is a bad influence to Yitzhak. She has to put her foot down, and she has to say to Abraham, I need your child out of the house. What do you mean, my, my child out of the house? How much uh, shred does a woman have to have to tell her own husband, take your child out of the house? How much? Tell me how much. From one to, one to 100, how much? 110, you know what I'm saying? How much power and strength does Sarah have to have with Abraham? Take your son out of the house. I don't care how soft you say it. I don't care how nice you say it. At the end of the day, you're telling your your husband, you're telling your guy, she's telling your husband, kick your son out. That's it. She's got to get out. Not only that, that, that lady that you were with also she has got to leave. So seeing two people, hi guys, and Yishmael, and out, benefit, out. What are you, how much shit do you have to have? How much shit? And, and what does Abraham can, Abraham can say back? Oh, why, why? What's wrong? You, you want a guy that? What's wrong? Abraham can go back and forth. But what happened? And she's the one who told him, you're nagging, so many kick So there's a, how many things are going against Sarah right now? Everything. Her husband is picked there. She was the one who picked that. Everything's going. So what is, uh, what is that I do? She overcomes her humility. And she says, Abraham, I respect you so much, but this I stand my ground. This, the boy's got to leave. This, I got to leave. It's a bad news, I see it. I see it. Put, I, she put her foot down. She put her foot down. That was when she was Sarai. She put her foot down. She says, wow, now that youth has a koach. Now that youth has the power. We can use that youth for Yeshua. And now Yeshua can overcome the power against all those feminine in life, nothing ever goes to waste. Wow.